Welcome to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church in Harvest, Alabama. We invite you into our sanctuary as we dive into God's Word with our pastor, Dr. Al Perringer. So good to see you this morning. I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Numbers chapter 14. Numbers chapter 14, I'll read verses 11 through 20 here in just a little bit. In one of his books, Jim Cimbala, you might, be, you might recognize the name Jim Cimbala, he's the pastor of the Brooklyn Tabernacle, but he talks about how his daughter ran away from the faith, ran from God for a long time. His daughter Chrissy rebelled against God and, and the family, was living far away from the faith, as far away as she could get. But one night this teenager awoke with this distinct feeling that someone was praying for her and someone was. In fact, the entire congregation of the Brooklyn Tabernacle, uh, Brooklyn Tabernacle uh, was interceding to God on her behalf because during their weekly prayer meeting, a member approached Pastor Jim and suggested that they intercede on behalf of Chrissy that night. They spent that night crying out to God on her behalf and two days later, she came home. And the first question she asked her very startled parents was, who was praying for me? Somebody prayed me back. And she begged forgiveness and recommitted her life to Jesus Christ. When someone strays from God, when someone rebels against God, when someone does not do right before God, they might face the opposition of God and they might even face the judgment of God. And they could remain in their errant ways unless someone rises up to stand in the gap and intercede for them before the throne of God. If someone is erring far away from the Lord, it takes God's people to come stand in the gap, plead to God on their behalf and intercede and then see God work. And as much as that is true for the individual, it is just as true for the congregation of God's people. God's people need someone to stand in the gap and intercede because you know what sometimes it's not just an individual that is straying from God's plan and purpose sometimes it is the entire people the group of God's people that goes astray and so the group needs someone to stand in the gap even the church of God the church of God is a glorious thing the church of God is the bride of Christ. The church of God is the body of Christ. The church of God is, is Christ's unique possession and people. But sometimes the local assemblies of the church can go astray. They can live in rebellion. They can want to do their own thing as opposed to obeying Christ. Just consider those seven letters that Christ writes to the churches of Asia in the book of Revelation. 
five out of the seven churches were straying. And they were threatened with their own extinction. They were threatened that their lamp would be snuffed out due to their disobedience. If Christ did not spare the local assemblies that were so soon planted after his death and resurrection, what makes you think that he would suffer long with the rebellious church 2,000 years later? In fact, if you think about it, what happened to those seven churches, especially the five that were given warnings? They're no longer around. What would have happened if somebody would have stood up, stood in the gap, and interceded to God on their behalf. We, the people of God, who make up the church of God, we need to stand in the gap and pray for the assembly. We need to pray for the church. Yes, we even need to pray for our church. Yeah, the church in general needs prayer. But even we need prayer. When was the last time you prayed for your church? When was the last time you interceded to God on behalf of your church? We need prayer, and we see that, we see that the people of God need prayer. In the passage that we're looking at today, let me give you some context to this passage. So God led the people of Israel out of slavery from Egypt. He took them to the mountain. He met them on the mountain. He, he made them a nation. He established them as a nation. He gave them his law that was reflective of his character. And after getting them established and ready, God led them to the edge of the land that was promised to their forefathers. Now, in preparation for their invasion, Moses sent 12 spies to check out the land and to give a strategic report. When they returned 40 days later, the spies confirmed, yeah, that's a very good land. But then 10 out of the 12 spies described the people of the land in such a way that it discouraged the people from obeying God and taking possession of that land. The people heeded the words of rebellious spies instead of heeding God's word. The people decided to join these spies in their rebellion, they refused to go forward and take the land that God had promised. And because of their disobedience, God would have destroyed them had not Moses stood in the gap and interceded in prayer. And what we learn from this is that when the church is not living for the Lord who saved it, it needs its people to rise up and stand in the gap and intercede on its behalf. Think about the church in general of the present day. Is God happy with the church? And then it makes me wonder, is God happy with us? And then I wonder, is there anyone who will rise up and stand in the gap and intercede? On behalf of the church Moses interceded for God's people will there be another Moses rise up today so I want to look at the way that Moses I want to talk about his intercession how 
he interceded for the people. And I want to read Numbers 14, verses 11 through 20. If you'll stand in reverence to the reading of God's holy word as I read these verses. And the Lord said to Moses, How long will this people despise me? And how long will they not believe in me in spite of all the signs that I have done among them? I will strike them with the pestilence and dis disinherit them. And I will make of you a nation greater and mightier than they. But Moses said to the Lord, Then the Egyptians will hear of it, for you brought up this people in your might from among them. And they will tell the inhabitants of this land. They have heard that you, O Lord, are in the midst of this people. For you, O Lord, are seen face to face. And your cloud stands over them. And you go before them in a pillar of cloud by day and in a pillar of fire by night. Now, if you kill this people as one man, then the nations who have heard your fame will say, well, it's because the Lord was not able to bring this people into the land that he swore to give to them that he has killed them in the wilderness. And now, please let the power of the Lord be great, as you have promised, saying the Lord is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, forgiving iniquity and transgression, but he will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation. Please pardon the iniquity of this people according to the greatness of of your steadfast love, just as you have forgiven this people from Egypt until now. And then the Lord said, I have pardoned according to your word. Let's pray. Oh Lord, put it in our hearts to pray and intercede for the church. Lord, so often we use our prayer time for our laundry lists. Give me this and give me that. Oh, that we would use that time to also intercede on behalf of your people. Lay that burden on our hearts, Lord, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much. You may be seated. So today, let's consider some facts about standing in the gap through interceding prayer for the people of God. The first thing that I want to talk about today is the need for intercession. There is a need for intercession. Now, yeah, it would be very accurate to say that anybody and everybody has need for intercession. Everyone needs someone to pray to God on their behalf. But how much more do the people of God who, who maybe started doing their own thing? We're going to do church our own way instead of doing church God's way. How much more does a church need someone to intercede on their behalf when when they're not walking with the Lord as they should, when they're not obeying the Lord as they should. I mean, look at Israel. Israel disobeyed. God's own called people disobeyed. And there's consequences for that. The church is made up of saved sinners. We also have periods of disobedience. We have periods of straying. And, and there's now some specific forms of disobedience that are highlighted in this passage that were true of Israel, but sometimes they can be true of the church as well. And so I want to consider 
some of the ways that the church might stray and why we need intercession. And the first thing I want to consider is there was the sin of disrespect. There was the sin of disrespect. In verse 11, God says, how long will this people despise me? That word for despise has the connotation of holding someone or something in contempt. It, it means to, to reduce the significance of something in some way. And so what they did, what they're being accused of, and what we sometimes do is we reduce the significance of God. Sometimes God's own people treat God as a light thing. Sometimes God's people treat God as an afterthought. So God's people will, will put themselves on the throne at the center of their own little universe and they set God to the side like some sort of pet or some sort of plaything that can be pulled out on a whim for their own use and entertainment. I'm in charge and I will pull God out when I feel it is necessary. That attitude is nothing short of utter disrespect and disregard for the person of God. Now, if you're, if you're familiar with the story of the Israelites and the story of the Exodus, and, and, and everything God went through to get them to this point, to get to the promised land, it's like a broken record. Same song, different verse. God gets them to a point, he teaches them, he, he provides for them. And then there's this pattern of habitual disrespect, disregard of who God is. You know, they're, they're happy and fine doing their thing when things are going great. And then when, when adversity of some sort comes, they start grumbling and they complain against God. So when things are going good, they take the credit. When things are going bad, they blame God. Or they blame his ministers. They'll blame, they blame Moses and Aaron as well. This betrays an attitude that reduces God to nothing but a mere servant. Look, God is here to serve me. God is here to serve the whims of his people. It betrays an attitude of God is a genie who is to give me all my wishes and cater to the desires that I have. And so as long as God does for me what I think he ought to do for me, sure, I'll throw him a bone, I'll sing him a song or whatever. But the second that God does or allows something that I don't like, if, or if I don't think my ego is being stroked enough, or if I'm not getting the attention that I think I deserve, then I'm going to throw a temper tantrum, and I'm going to make sure God and everybody else knows how mean I think God is. God is just being so mean to me. God is here to make me happy. You know, it would be easy to blame that kind of attitude and that kind of theology on those pastors and churches that we accuse of tickling the ear. Those, those pastors and, and churches that preach nothing but positive pop psychology and personal possessive prosperity. And you know what? Yeah, they, 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 they do display that wrong attitude. And really, those kind of churches, yes, they do need people to intercede on their behalf so that they, they believe in the whole counsel of God. And honestly, if we would spend more time praying for those churches than we do about 
complaining about them on social media, God might actually work in their midst and bring them to repentance. But you know what? They're not the only ones that disrespect God. We conservative, Bible-believing, right theology churches do the same thing when we think that God (coughs) and the church and and its ministers and all that, all they do is, is exist to meet my needs and to make me feel good about myself. And then when we get offended because we're not getting the attention that we think we are owed, we put our attitude on full display be it on social media or otherwise. But we show our attitude. Look, I am what life is all about. God exists for me. Rather than the right way, which is the exact opposite way, we exist for God. How disrespectful we have been. And we need people to stand in the gap for ourselves and all of the church. There's a need for intercession for the church because of the disrespect that we have shown God. But that's not the only sin that that God points out. Secondly, there's the sin of unbelief. There's the sin of unbelief. God asks another question in verse 11. How long will they not believe in me in spite of all the signs that I have done among them? That's a fair question. How long after all I've done for them the past two or so years. How long will they still not believe in me? I mean, Israel saw God bring Egypt to its knees. Israel saw God destroy the Egyptian army. I mean, Egypt was probably the biggest powerhouse of the day. (coughs) They saw God provide. They saw God lead. They heard God's voice, and yet when they were brought to the brink of what should have been their greatest victory, all they do is begin to whine and complain, and they don't think that God will help them. Oh no, there's giants in the land. Oh no, we're like grasshoppers in their sight. Oh no, they got chariots. Oh, there's no way we can beat them. God brought us here to die. I mean, think Just analyze that thinking for a moment. Did they really think that God would have led them all that way, given them the law, made them a people, and invested in them like he did, only to bring them to the point of destruction? God did all this stuff for us just to bring us here to die. God did all this in my life only to bring me here to die. That's the mindset of unbelief. Unbelief causes you to think wrong thoughts about God. We begin to focus in on ourselves. We begin to focus in on our circumstances rather than focusing on the God who is all-knowing, all-powerful, ever-present. This great and mighty God who could be and should be the focus of our everything, eh, Let me focus in on me. When we make ourselves and our problems to be giants, we start thinking that God is about yay big. We think God is very small. 
when us and our problems become the giants. And honestly, one way I think, maybe we could think about this is that unbelief is like the most blatant disrespect of God. Because we're saying, yeah, God's really not trustworthy. God is not faithful. God is not good. Pretty much we, we're saying that God is not God. God is not God. I don't, he's not trustworthy. I, I don't believe. I mean, imagine this. Imagine that the person who you are closest with, the person who you have the tightest relationship with, comes right out and says to you, you know what, I don't think you're faithful. I don't think you're trustworthy. I don't think you're good. I don't think very highly of you. Frankly, I think you're a liar and a cheat and a fraud. Someone take that knife out that I've just been stabbed with. How hurt and angry we would be if someone would say that. Now, we won't come right out and say that about how we feel about God. I mean, I don't think of any, anyone who calls himself Christian that will just outright say, oh yeah, I think God is untrustworthy. I think he's unfaithful. God, God's a cheat and a fraud and all that. No one, no one would say that. And yet, by our heart, by our attitude, by our actions, we speak very loudly. We speak very loudly. That's exactly what we think about God. When we would rather let fear and anxiety make our decisions for us rather than obeying God, there is a disconnect there between our profession of faith and living the faith. And, and we don't just do that as individuals. We do that as churches. When the church allows the world, the flesh, and the devil to dictate what we will and will not do rather than God dictating what we will and will not do, there is unbelief. So there is a great need of intercession for the church because of the disrespect that it has shown God and the unbelief that it has toward God. But secondly today, I want us to consider the content of intercession. And maybe, a better, maybe it would have been better to say the basis of our intercession because Moses, he, he intercedes on their behalf, right? In verse 11, God asks these questions. He lays out the charges against Israel. And then in verse 12, God hands down the verdict. He's going to judge these people who disrespect him and don't believe him. He says, you know what? I'm just going to wipe them out, and I'm going to start over with you, Moses. I, look, I, I'm just going to pestilence and everything else. I'm going to take these people out. I've had it with them. I'm sick of them. Moses, I'm going to start with you. We're going to make a nation out of you. Technically, I guess God could have done that because Moses was a descendant of Abraham, so he would have kept the covenant with Abraham. And now, mind you, Moses is probably just as fed up with them as, as God is. I mean, all they do is complain about him too. They complain about Moses, they complain about Aaron, they complain about God, they complain about this, they complain about that. Moses was probably just as fed up, and it would have probably been easy for Moses to say, okay, have at it. Well, you know what? God had been developing Moses as a leader. And we find him taking responsibility and ownership for these people. And so what did he do? He stood in the gap. 
He prayed to God on their behalf. And there's just a few points of this intercessory prayer that I want to note that would be good points for us to consider when we intercede on behalf of the church. First, we base our prayers on God's reputation. We base our prayers on God's reputation, and that's really a point of prayer as well. We want God's reputation to be made known through the people of God. And so Moses begins his intercession by praying that God would do amongst the people that which would give God the most fame and glory. And his argument in this prayer is that by showing mercy to the people, God's reputation would flourish not only in the midst of the congregation of Israel, but it would flourish amongst the unbelieving nations. So Moses prays, you know what, Lord? (coughs) By forgiving the people and by sparing the people and by bringing the people into the promised land, your, your name and fame is going to grow throughout the world. Your reputation will be known throughout the world. Now, yeah, in the passage, Moses might come at it from a more negative angle. You know, Lord, if you destroy the people of Israel, the, the nations are going to talk. They're going to say the Lord wasn't power not powerful enough to bring them into the promised land, but, you know, it's the same, same effect. Lord, spare your people. Bring them into the promised land so that your name is known and glorified throughout the world. It's all about your reputation, God. It's not about us. It's not about the people. It's not about me as a leader. It is about you and your reputation. What a place to start for interceding for the church. Praying and interceding that the church would be revived and would repent and be empowered so that the name and fame of Jesus Christ is known throughout the community and all around the world. That God would so work in the midst of the church that the world knows it. And this is what we want as a church. We don't want our name to be made known. We want Christ's name to be made known. Make Christ known through the bride, through the body, through the church. And we pray that we have to check our motivations. I mean, I have to do heart checks and gut checks. If I'm praying along those lines, do I really mean it? I mean, is it, is it really Christ's reputation that I'm concerned about? Or is it my own reputation? Yeah, you know what? It'd be so easy to pray, oh yeah, Lord, grow the church and, and fill the pews. Why? Why pray that? Well, so people think that Harvest Baptist Church is the coolest place. Or me as a pastor, so that I preach to a larger congregation. Got to check your motivation. Or is it so Christ is made known and people glorify his name? That is what we pray. Or, you know, you could even, I mean, you might even pray that the church's reputation is better so that your reputation is better. Lord, you know, make the church's reputation better so when I go out and out in public, I can say, I'm part of Harvest Baptist Church. Aren't I the coolest person in the world? God help us if we ever think that way. 
So we've got to check our motivations when we intercede about this because the heart, our hearts are deceitful and desperately wicked. Very self-serving at times. Do I want the church to be healthy and thrive and grow spiritually and grow numerically so that my reputation is better? or so that the reputation of the Lord Jesus Christ is made known throughout the world. We want Christ's reputation to be made known. And so if we're going to intercede on behalf of the church, this is what we pray. Let Christ be made known. May Christ's name be glorified. And, and so the content of the prayer and the basis of the prayer was, has to do with God's reputation. But then Mo, you notice the second thing that Moses prayed. Moses prayed according to God's character. Moses prayed according to God's character. In verse 17, Moses prays that the power of God would be great in the midst of his people. And the power that Moses prays for is according to the character of God. Lord, put your character on display in the midst of the people. You notice that for Moses at this time, he based his prayer in verse 18. These are the facts about God. That God is slow to anger, he's abounding in steadfast love, he forgives, he is just, and so on. You know, what Moses is doing in verse 18 is quoting what God said about himself in Exodus 34, verses 6 and 7. This is the same exact thing when, when God revealed himself to Moses in a special way. Moses is repeating this back. Lord, you are so to anger. You said you have this steadfast love, this kessed, this loyal love. So Moses prays back to God his revealed character. And based on that character, he intercedes on behalf of the people. Bring your power in the midst of the people because you are merciful, because you are slow to anger, because you are loyal to your covenant, so on and so forth. Lord, based on your character, in spite of their sin, in spite of their bad attitudes, in spite of their unbelief, in spite of the disrespect that they have shown you, still be with your people because you are a God of mercy. You are a God who forgives. <clears throat> and we want God to work in power in our midst as well. And we base it on the character traits that God has revealed, especially now through Jesus Christ. God is merciful. God is a loving God. He is faithful to his covenants. And we want him to work in our midst based on that. Now, yes, God is just. God does not clear the guilty just blindly. Yes, God visits the iniquities of the people upon the people, but he is also a God who forgives. And so Moses prayed, Lord, based on your character that you revealed, Work in power in the midst of your people. Forgive them. 
Have mercy on them. Be slow to anger with them because that's who you revealed yourself to be. Bring them to repentance, Lord, and empower them. That's his prayer. And according to verse 20, God did pardon because of who he is and because of the character that he has. Now, that doesn't mean there isn't consequences for sin. Because guess what? God, okay, verse 20, God says, on your word, I, I pardon them. And then he goes on to say that they're going to be wandering for 40 years. And that generation who did not believe, they're going to die in the wilderness. They are not going to enter the promised land. But the next generation of Israelites, they're going to obey and they are going to enter in. And they're doing that because Moses appealed to God's character. God answered the prayer and worked in power among them. Our God is merciful. And so Moses approached him based on that. Because you are a merciful God, work in power amongst your people. And you know what? We as a church, when we mess up, God will pardon his church. God will work in power in his church if there are people who would rise up and stand in the gap and intercede on its behalf. We need a church who is filled with a bunch of Moseses who sees that, you know what, the church in general, and maybe even ours, is not as healthy as it could be or should be. And so they stand in the gap, and they pray, and they pray, and they pray for God to work in their midst, based on his great mercy, based and, and praying that his name would be made great in the community and the world through the church all around the world. My question is, are you that person who will stand in the gap? Writer and blogger Rob Chaffert, he writes about a time when he was a teacher and there was this eighth grade student who, who was this real tough guy and, and nobody liked him, he had no friends, he, he was doing terrible in school, he was completely unruly, and he was sent to a, a special school for kids with behavior problems. And, and somehow Rob had befriended him and, and the kid told him, you're my best friend. And, and so what Rob did was, he prayed for this student. And he prayed for this student, and he prayed for this student, and he continuously prayed for this student. Rob stood in the gap and interceded on this kid's behalf. And before the school year had ended, this kid's behavior completely changed. His attitude changed. His grades changed. By the end of the school year, he was a completely different man, all because somebody stood in the gap and prayed and interceded to God for him. How much more does the church need someone to stand in the gap? Is that you? Will you come to the altar today and stand in the gap for our church? Will you stand in the gap for the American church? Will you stand in the gap for the Ukrainian church? Will you stand in the gap for the Russian church? Guess what? There's Christians in Russia too, by the way. Will you stand in the gap? Be one of those who will stand in the gap. Maybe you're the one that's in need of intercession. Come forward today. I'll be up front here. 
You need me to pray for you, I'll pray for you. Deacons, staff, if there's a bunch of people who come up for prayer, come on up and, and grab them and intercede on their behalf. But maybe, you know, you need a Savior. Maybe you haven't trusted in Jesus Christ. The Bible says something very interesting about Christ. He is the one who intercedes to the Father on our behalf for our salvation. Hebrews 7.25 says, Consequently, He is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through Him, Christ, since He always lives to make intercession for them. And then in Romans 8.34, Paul says, Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. We have the ultimate intercessor in Jesus Christ. But for him to intercede on your behalf, you have to come to him by faith. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at harvest-baptist.org or find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can also find info on our children's ministry at Facebook at Harvest Baptist Children's Ministry or on Instagram at KidsQuest underscore HBC. Our student ministry is on Facebook at HBC Vertical Student Ministry and on Instagram at VSM underscore HBC. We welcome you to join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. We are located at 8999 Waltrana Highway in Harvest, Alabama. Thanks for listening and God bless.